All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. We are here on a post-Thanksgiving episode, Black Friday. Tim's in Asheville, North Carolina. Tim, is that you? Is that where you're at today? Where in the world is Tim Orsberger? Yeah, that is correct. I got here uh, yesterday, drove out about two hours from Charlotte. Very, very beautiful. It's up in the mountain. You know, like when you're driving through a mountainous area and you're kind of entering it and then you turn the corner and all of a sudden there's like a huge sprawl in front of you, like canyons and ravines and mountains. Like there's a lot of that. And so, yeah, very, very cool. What you, did you get your hiking in? Did you hike to the top of mountains with Levi like you you wanted to? Uh, yes and no. I, I went to a spot on a map that I thought was supposed to be a good hike, but it was more of like a nature trail. Like it wasn't much of a view or anything, um, but we still did it. And then I walked around downtown and actually a lot of the shops were open, which was cool. So there's a lot of cool, like and dog friendly little shops. And and then we went to. Oh, here's a good story. We went to um, checked into the hotel. <laughs> And then we went to, um, I wanted to find like some place with a good view, like a mountaintop thing. And there's a UNC Asheville campus, like five minutes from the hotel. And at the top, there's a little uh, observatory and there's supposed to be a nice view. So I, I checked it out. There's probably like 10 other people hiking there, hiking. It's really just walking up the hill. But the guys are like, hey, there's a bear up there. And I'm like, oh. what? And he goes, yeah, there's a big black bear. There's foraging berries. Like on the side of the road, there's just like a little, a little small hill. And the bear's at the top of the hill. Like I'm talking 20 feet up the road, um, just foraging. Huge. It looked like it's about to, um, what do you call it? When they go hibernate? Because it was very, yeah. very fat. Um, and and I was people were like, you can walk it by if you want. You should be safe to stay on the other side, you know? And I was probably... I was pretty close. I would say within 50 feet and I was just watching it and trying not to run or spook it and hoping the dog doesn't notice, which I don't think he did. But the bear, there was one moment where the bear just looks and stares me down as I'm walking and my heart was pounding. I was like, holy crap. I'd never seen one before. I don't, maybe why, I do. Why would yeah. you do that? Cause I wanted to go, <laughs> I got to get the view, John. Come on. Yeah. But especially with a dog, that's like, you're putting your life in you're, you're a daredevil. Cause I, I can see so. if you were by yourself, that's fine. Cause the bear is just going to be whatever. It's a human. They probably see them all the time, but to have a dog, the bear might 
puff up its chest a little bit saying this is my territory i don't know i wouldn't yeah. have done it i'm a chick were, i wouldn't have done it most people still walked but there was a couple people with young kids that when they because as you're going up and going down people were like hey heads up as a bear everyone kind of did that which is cool and there's a couple young young couples with young kids that turned right around like yeah, I'm well, not yeah. Risking that. why yeah how did your kid die well we thought we could get by this bear but we, <laughs> you know didn't work out so the bear got one of them my bad Next yeah. time. play the no numbers way. game right it's just there's there's no win from this situation i guess the win is getting by it but i'm sure there was an alternate route for you tim but you're just a, such a daredevil good for you oh uh, yeah how was your thanksgiving Oh, it was good. Went to our friend's house. They opened their doors to us. Surprisingly, no one invites us anywhere just because we're we're a big crew. We're coming when seven kids hot. So it was a friend of ours, Neil and Julie. We we went over there. They had six kids. So it was just it was fun. It was fun. We had a nice couple turkeys. We had all the fixings and we watched football. Oh, my bills. Heart heart attack city. What a game. I thought they were going to smoke Detroit. And all of a sudden, Detroit just showed up. And the bills just, I don't know what was going on with them. But we watched that game. Then we watched a little bit of the Cowboys. Uh, who are they playing? Giants game. That was fun. And then we just went home. It was good. It was the first time my wife didn't have to cook. So she was all jacked up. She's like, this is fantastic. She made some stuffing. We went over there and we spent the day over there. But it was good. Low key, nothing too fancy. We just kind of hung out, had some, had a couple of whiskey sours, a couple of beers, glass of wine, watched some football. Kids ran around. It was good. Good old wholesome fun. But nothing. My, even my kid on the way over, she's like, Thanksgiving's not that big of a holiday, is it? I was like, not really. You know, it's not. Yeah. In comparison to all the other ones, it's not that big. So, but it was fun. We got the day off work, day off school. We just kind of had some fun. It was beautiful weather. It was like 55 degrees here in Michigan. It was wild. All the snow's gone. The kids were playing outside with like shorts and t-shirts on. It was weird stuff. So, but it was good. Moving on. Ready to talk some hockey, Tim? Or are you still looking at your mountains and canyons and bears? You're just basking in it. Oh my. Yeah, no, I'm ready. Let's, there's a, there's some stuff I wanted to catch on for hockey. Dude. There's a controversy swirling. The fix is in. So the first half of the season, everybody's feeling each other out. I say it a lot. I say once once the clock hits Thanksgiving, that's when you get a gauge on how good of a team is. Where they're at when you hit Thanksgiving break is where they typically are when the season ends. I think the stat is somewhere 75, 80% of the teams that are in a playoff position right now. Fast forward to the end of the season, those same teams will be in that playoff position. So there was a big game last night or two nights ago. Playoff implications, two two favorite teams in the East. And this is where I think the NHL, they have an agenda, Tim. And I, I am a tin hat conspiracy theorist when it comes to this sort of thing. With the invent, the advent, the installation, the extillation, I don't know what the word is. Ever since the, the goal review started, and it's based in Toronto for what it's worth, Ever since that was initiated, everybody's always been talking, even players like, well, why does this certain team get the benefit of a doubt a lot? It's for the offsides. It's for if this was a goal or not. The two teams that get most of the the chatter when it comes to conspiracy theories are the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Boston Bruins is because their owner, Jeremy Jacobs, is a big, big hitter in the owner's. He has a big voice when the owners meet every year in Florida. He he just he is one of the old school guys. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, rightfully so, Gary Bettman wants them to succeed. 
They are a huge part of the NHL. Everything's based out of Toronto. So they're the other team that is a part of this little conspiracy theory. Every time there's a goal, every time there's an offside, every time there's a 50-50 decision, decision, it seems to go those teams' way. And I lived it. I played against these teams where I'd go to review and you'd be like, that's a goal for sure, right? That has to be a goal. The ref would come out, no, and pawn for the review. No, no. And I was just like, what? Because three days earlier, you had that same situation, but it was a goal. So that conspiracy reared its ugly head again. The New Jersey Devils, the upstart New Jersey Devils, a team that was still rebuilding, but was very competitive, you know, and then all of a sudden this year, boom, they are clicking on all cylinders. This team can't be beat. They are the just Cinderella story in the Eastern Conference right now. They're playing fantastic. Other than the Boston Bruins, the Devils are just firing on all cylinders. The Leafs come into town. A huge game for both of these teams. All of a sudden, the goals start getting disallowed. One, two, three goals gets disallowed. The fans lose their mind. I want to break down every single goal, Tim, if you have time. Do you have time or are you itching to get on the trail? No, I can pencil that in. Okay, because it's just incredible. I don't want to be unrealistic. I don't want to come across like I'm just anti-Leaf. Two of the three goals I think should have been goals. But let's break it down. All right. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get them in perfect order, Tim. I'm not perfect, but let's just go. We'll break down the three goals. The first one I want to talk about is the point shot, the redirection. The Devils have a player in the crease. He's just inching on the edge of the crease. Yes, I know. I think it's Bastion. He's on the left side of the crease. Point shot comes through. He's battling with Marner. Murray kicks his skate across, and it it hits Bastion's skate. Then then the shot comes after that, and the, the shot goes by him. What did you think of this one? Did you think this was a good goal or no goal? Because here's the key thing for me. On the ice, it was waved off immediately. And that's a huge factor when it comes to a goal review because it's it has to be definitive evidence to overturn something. And if it's not a hundred percent definitive, if there's some gray area, they just revert back to the call on the ice. So it has to be 100% obvious that this was no goal or a goal or else they'll just cede to the referee, whatever his call was. So the call on the ice was no goal. What is your take on this? Murray's trying to square up to the shooter. Bastion's in the crease and his left skate Murray. It, it contacts Bastion's right skate before the shot though. The shot gets released. Bastion skates out of the crease at this point, and Murray extends, and he just misses the puck. What do you think? Goal or no goal? Yeah, for me, for this one, I, I think they probably got it right by the book. Like, the definition, I think if you read the rule book, it's probably goaltender interference, but this is a situation for me where I think it's a dumb rule. I don't. I think this is a hockey play. Like, it's a quick bang, bang, boom. I don't think any contact stopped Murray from making a play. If you go by frame by frame, technically there was contact, and, you know, within a second or two later, the, the puck went in. So you can say, okay, no goal. But I think that is a kind of a – you're taking the real world, like – I don't know, like just sense out of it. You know what I mean? Like this is a hockey play. This is this shouldn't have been disallowed, but the way the rule book is set up, I think they made probably the right call on the ice. Yeah. When you break it down frame by frame by frame, one hundredths of a second by one hundredth of a second. Yeah, it's probably no go. But just on the ice, on the ice, I say that a lot. I, I ish things. You notice that? I'm going to start now. Speech impediment. 
But just for me as a fan and as a former player, this has to be a goal. Murray, and you, the, the, the reason is, after the goal, Murray doesn't react like this was interference. The goal goes by him. He sits down on his keister. He tries to get it. Couldn't get it with his glove or his pad. And he just looks like, I missed it. He wasn't upset. He didn't point towards Bastion. He didn't look at the referee. He didn't give any indication that he was interfered with. It was just incidental contact in the crease with Marner and Bastion. Murray reset himself, and then he missed the puck. That's all it was. That's that's how I think this one should have been a goal. Obviously, it was overturned. The fans weren't happy. Moving on to the next goal. Thomas Tatar. Matt Murray goes behind the net to play the puck. He's in the trapezoid, so he's well within his rights to go back there. Thomas Tatar is trailing behind, maybe trying to pick up a, a reverse that Murray tries to play, whatever. he He's following up on the play. Murray releases it, kind of watches his puck a little bit, not a lot. He does just, I, I'll give him this. He doesn't take his time. He rips it around the boards and he tries to go right back to the puck. Thomas Tatar tries to cut the post. There's a little gap there. Doesn't happen. Runs into Matt Murray. Murray bails. He falls, goes to the devil's D-man. He shoots it. Tatar gets a decent tip on it, actually, and it goes in the net. What do you think, Tim? Goal or no goal? I mean, again, you you talked before about Tatar having a right to his space, and you see players go on the inside on goalies all the time now, especially when the goalie's way out of his net like that. But that said, you wipe out a goalie like that. It's hard for a ref not to call that back. And then, like you said, if, if that's the call on the ice, then you know that it's going to be clear evidence. And I don't know that Tatar makes a very good effort to avoid Murray. I think he's just skating straight. I think he probably could have even a little bit of like ducking the shoulder or trying to sidestep and then accidentally hitting Murray um, might have might have been enough for them to overturn it. But again, I think I think Tatar has just got to be more aware there. Agreed. There was space for him to cut the net even tighter. He he kind of did a lackadaisical turn. Didn't really make much effort to get out of Murray's way. So I, I think that one is a good call. No goal. Runs into Murray. Murray falls down. Goals in the back of the net. It's fine. I, I, I'm okay with that one. That's the one where I look at the three. I said, okay, I can live with that. One. The third one, the final one, the most egregious one in my eyes. Puck goes to Murray. Murray tries to cover it. Can't handle it. The puck is just loose around his gloves. There's three Leafs surrounding him. There's Robertson, there's Giordano, there's Nylander, and there's Eric Holla. Holla comes in. The puck's loose, like I said. He's getting his stick lifted. He's getting pushed. He's It's a battle. He kicks it with his skate. The key here is he's not kicking it towards the net. He's trying to kick it either A, up to his stick, B, just away from Matt Murray so he can extend the play so Murray doesn't cover it, or C, there's a devil's player back door waiting for a wide open empty net tap in. So that's what I think is going through his head. He comes into this scrum. He sees a loose puck. He can't get it with the stick. So he's like, I'm kicking this puck. He's not trying to kick it into the net. No player in their right mind tries to kick a puck into the net because we all know the rules. So he's kicking it. He gets good wood on it. He kicks it pretty solid. Goes off his stick. Goes off. No, doesn't go off his stick. Excuse me. Goes off Robertson's skate. Goes off Murray's skate and goes into the back of the net. Just before Bastion, who was the guy waiting back door, can touch it. There's a lot happening there. So he's kicking it up. It goes off a couple skates and it enters the net. The ref signals goal. Good goal. The Leafs challenge goes over to Toronto. Right away, they say, no goal. He kicking motion into the back of the net. Here's my issue with this. 
goals are allowed to occur when a defenseman shoots it or a forward passes it and a forward angles it off of their skate and the puck goes into the net. What is the verbiage on kicking the puck? So if you're a defenseman and you're on the blue line and you kick the puck and you get good wood on it and it goes off a Toronto player into the net and like kind of a fluky goal, is that no goal? If you're behind the net and you kick the puck towards the front of the net, from behind the net, and it goes off the goalie, is that a no goal? Where does this end? Because there, if you watch, Eric Halla is not trying to kick this puck into the net. He's he's clearly not, his foot isn't even angled towards the net. He's trying to kick the puck to his stick or to his partner or away from Matt Murray, like I just mentioned. I don't know how this is no goal. This one bothers me the most because there's there's no intention of kicking the puck in the net. And that's the sole reason why the rule is there. They don't want players kicking away, trying to kick the puck into the net, away from the goalie, away from the players. Other guys is dangerous. You don't want players just kicking willy-nilly. That's not what he was doing in this play. So this gets called off. What did you think about this, Tim? This was my most egregious one. I really didn't like this one. Well, it's funny because I saw some stuff online like saying number one and two should have been called back, but number three was a clear kicking motion. So it would it shouldn't be a goal. And I I I go back and forth. These are all super close. I understand why Devils fans are frustrated. But for me, for this one, I agree. It wasn't a he wasn't trying to kick into the net. It was a distinct kicking motion, but not toward the net, like you said. And even if he was, which I don't think he was, but it went off at least one other Leafs player. So I like he wasn't the last one to touch it. He didn't kick it directly in. He had the right to that space. He wasn't interfering with the goalie. I I think it's just it's the compounding thing. And this is where the game gets out of hand. Well, yeah. And if I'm a fan, I'm irate right too. This is number three. Your team is playing really well versus Toronto Maple Leafs. This is, this is one of those games where it's a barometer for how good your team is in the NHL. Toronto was one of those teams where it's like, okay, we beat Toronto. We're a pretty solid team. The fans are upset. And this is where it gets, like you said, a little bit dangerous, a little bit scary, a little bit. It just takes it too far. They start throwing everything on the ice. Everything, beer, wrappers, garbage, cups, everything they can get their hands on. They just start throwing them on the ice to the point where Mitch Marner or the point where the the Leafs have to leave. They leave the ice and they go down the tunnel for their own safety. Because if I'm a player, I'm not just sitting there waiting to get pegged with a full beer can. That hurts. That is not safe. So the Leafs leave. Eric Halla is pleading to the fans, like, please stop throwing stuff. You see um, Lindy Roth, like, everybody calm down. He's trying to get everybody to stop throwing stuff onto the ice. The announcers come over the broadcast systems. Oh, we're going to get a penalty, this and that. Mitch Marner after the game, what was his quote, Tim? He said, quote, it's full beers. It's dangerous. We're not looking for that. We're not seeing it coming. Dodged a couple. It's a dangerous thing. I don't know why it's our fault. They're throwing it and try to hit us. It's the first I've ever seen. It's insane. And he also said something about how he was actually, the guys were more pumped to beat the crowd than they were the devils. It was like the devils are just a hockey team, but like the crowd is really who they wanted to to, to stiff it to by the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't blame him because the crowds after every goal, they were just like every disallowed goal and rightfully so they're pissed off. They're throwing stuff. It, it gets aggressive and the players like let's shove it up these fans as behinds like uh, enough is enough and so the Leafs go on they win two to one say la vie the conspiracy theory is real do you think Tim that's a thing or are people just upset because it's Toronto Maple Leafs but do you, I, do you, is, is there a conspiracy theory by the NHL to make the Toronto Maple Leafs a more successful team than they already are no 
not like this. I mean, uh, they're fine. You know what I mean? Like if it was toward the end of the season and they needed that point or whatever, then maybe. But no, I think it's fine. I think I, one of the other questions I was thinking about was like, well, the Devils fan, this is the same fan base that booed their head coach in the first week of the season and was chanting for him to be fired and stuff. And then they kind of forgave him when they went on this huge winning streak. But I don't know. It, there's not a lot of fan bases in the league that would throw stuff the way they did. I know it's not the first time it's happened. It's happened before. But there's not – I. It makes me think of like the Flyers, the Phillies fans um, would probably do that. And then probably uh, Vancouver is another city where I could see that happening. Like, do you see this as just a passionate fan base that's just letting their feelings and intentions be known? Or is this like a classless move by the people in the arena? It's ah, man, I, I don't want to say it's classless. Because that's that's a pretty aggressive word, but it, it's. It, it's not great. You have to control your emotions, especially in those circumstances, because the game's not over, right? Like, there's still a lot of time left on the clock. The Devils did come back, and they scored one to make it a, you know, a barn burner of a game near the end of the game, pulled the goalie. It was exciting. So this could hinder your team. That's the part that's junky. You could have gotten a penalty based on this. You could have gotten someone hurt. Bad things could happen. I, I get your passion, but yeah, it's it's not a good look. There are a few fan bases that that do this. I've had full beer cans thrown on me. I have full cuts of cups of chew thrown at me. I remember going back to the bus from certain games and fans literally chucking full cans of Bud Light at us, like hitting the bus, hitting us, trying to hit us. So it does get heated. Fans get passionate. It It is what it is. I enjoy it. But at the same time, it's like, you guys, you can't, you can't be doing. And then the game just stops for 20 minutes because they had to pick up all this garbage off the ice. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's classless, but it's definitely you don't need this. Not in the NHL. All right. What else are we doing? What's Matt Murray? Well, one other question I was thinking about. Matt Murray has played really well in about four or five games since he came back from injury. Do you he either let in one or up to four goals? <laughs> right. Did he play a good game in this game or not? Like I can't I can't wrap my head around his performance. I think he played great. I think he is for whatever happened, I don't know what he did when he was on the injured reserve. It's working. He's playing fantastic. He's he's a completely different player than he was at the start of the season. So good for him. Hopefully it keeps up because if they can just check that box and say, okay, our goaltending situation is not an issue anymore. Toronto is a vastly different team at the trade deadline. They have they still have issues. Don't get me wrong. But if a goaltending is not one of them, man, all of a sudden Toronto goes from like having huge, massive issues to saying, okay, if we get maybe one more defenseman to shore up the decor, maybe get some more depth forwards, a, a third line center, a third line winger to help, you know, supplement the first and second line who do all the heavy, heavy lifting. Toronto could, could be a player at the end of the year. And not that they are, they aren't already, but the defense is just ish, iffy and the goaltender take out this Matt Murray, little four game stint. It was so bad. Well, so. Sam Sonov was playing really well before he got hurt. He was playing not, like a top ten goalie. Uh, I'm not going that. in the playoffs with Sam Sonov. No, no, thank you. That I'm not doing. That. <sighs> I think he's better than I think he's better than you do. I know you do, but I'm not going in the playoffs with Sam Sonov, and that's it. No, I I would be, I would be a bad GM if that if that's what I'm banking my success on is an unproven backup goalie coming in and saying, okay, here's the keys to the keys to this Corvette. Go for it. And then he sucks. Then what are you going to do? So, okay. Little transition here. Let me ask you a trivia question and I'll put you on the spot. 
how many active American NHL players have scored 100 points in a season? Active American players. Well, it's not Joe Pavelski. I don't think he has. Patty Kane, yeah. So there's yep. one. He's got two. Yep. Um, who else would be a mayor? Austin Matthews. He's probably, oh, does Austin yep. Matthews have a hundred? Austin Matthews. Yep. Let's see. Uh, I'm I'll say two. There's four, two mothers, uh, Johnny Gaudreau last year. Johnny hockey. Dang. Okay. And then also Matthew Kachuk last year had oh. 104. And I'm asking that because there's an American player who's currently on po- on pace for 124 points this year, which would be the third most am- among American players ever in history, right behind LaFontaine and Brett Hall. And is a player we have not barely talked at all about this year is Jason Robertson down in Dallas. He's a superstar in the league that no one outside of his market was spending enough time talking about, including us. Why is that, Tim? Why Why is no one talking about him? Tell me. Um, small market, most smaller market, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know because <sighs> I don't know. He's up right now. He's got 16 goals, 15 points, 15 assists for 31 points and only 20 gained, which is a pace for 64 goals, 61, 24. And on top of that, it's not just like, oh, he's really good in the power play, whatever. He's the best in the league at points per 60, better than McDavid. He's better than Pasenak, Jesper Bat, Jai Seidel, and, and teammate uh, Rupe Hintz is right behind him. He's just, he does everything offensively, but he does have 10 power play points, which puts him on pace for over 40 for the year, which is just crazy. Uh, he's legit. He's legit. Very, very good. And it's crazy that he's only locked up for 7.75 for three more years after this one. So they're they're going to be set up pretty well for a while if he's the one leading the charge. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that and, and we're guilty about this, too? All, all the big shows, all the TV networks, everybody's guilty with this. Is it a good thing we don't know about him in, in a sense that Dallas is not a big market when it comes to hockey? The Devils are not really a huge market when it comes to hockey. Everybody focuses on these massive markets with these superstars that are just conventional. The Sidney Crosby's, the Connor McDavid's, the Austin Matthews, these types of players that don't say much. They all do the same. I don't know. Should we be focusing more on teams like Seattle, teams like Dallas, teams like even, yeah, like I said, the Devils and the Islanders, you don't get much play. I, I don't know. Are we doing something wrong? Well, because, okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead because I feel like I feel bad when we we don't talk about this guy, but at the start of the season I remember I said this guy is going to be a stud. He already is. I drafted him on my fantasy team for a little league we're in because we we thought the potential was there. He had cheese 40 some goals last year and no one talked about him. This year he's second in the league in goals behind Connor McDavid. He's got 31 goals. So <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a disservice to everybody listening because it's 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 not fair. Sorry, 31.16 goals. It's it's not fair. Yeah, and it, it's a little bit of like the Huberdo thing down in, in in Florida in Barca too, where these super star caliber level players are just not getting that same national media attention. And even like, I mean, Philippe Forsberg's never put up this kind of points, but he's been a very good player for a long time. But he's playing in Nashville, and guys like us and probably the people who listen to our show are. are aware of him and know how good he is, but he's not getting like the national accolades and attention. And so I think probably a lot of players prefer that, right? They don't want the big market media. They don't want that attention. I don't know anything much about Jason Robertson's personality or anything, but the kid just keeps producing. And I feel like he's going to be way more on my radar for the rest of the year and probably the rest of his career. Well, the fact that he's Asian too, 
Like yeah. you would think he would have such a large fan base and market to like just market him to. You know what I mean? Like there's there's not a lot of Asian successful hockey players that make an impact in the game. I think wasn't I want to say Scott Gomez, but he was Inuit. I can't think of the last like Asian player. Devin Setaguchi. Mm-hmm. He was probably the last one, but like the it's there if they want to get it. Yeah, I, I just don't think I don't think the NHL has the wherewithal to do this. The NHL is so far behind the times. It's stuff like this is frustrating because this guy could be a marketing and I don't want to get go down the you know the Asian tangent, but I was in New York when Jeremy Lin was going off. I was yeah. with the Rangers. We were on our run. The whole country was talking about Jeremy Lin. And that was just a grain of salt and a salt shaker to compare how successful he was overseas in Asia and Europe, all over the place. He was a monster superstar over there. He was like Michael Jordan over there. So I, I maybe Jason Robertson is getting that kind of impact overseas in Asia and that that's sort of the world, that part of the world, but I doubt it. This guy's got the most goals in the league. He's second in points. Last year he did the same thing. Like you said, he's got more points per game per 60 than all the huge superstars in the game. You would think it would be a no-brainer. So, I don't know. You tried to trade for him on my fantasy team when you offered me just garbage. It's not going to happen. This guy's so incredibly good, Tim. You got you to offer a little bit more. Yeah, I'm not and done. I'm not done. You're not done? Okay. Making offers. Done. All right. There was a trade, though. Speaking of trades, friend of the show, Ryan Reeves. Trade, this one caught me off guard. Ryan Reeves was brought into New York after the whole Panarin, Tom Wilson incident. They needed to address their toughness. They were getting taken advantage of. They bring in the big sheriff, Ryan Reeves. He calmed everything down. He was brought in to protect these guys. He did that and some. He also has a great personality in the locker room. He just is a, he's a loud voice. And he just, I think he just takes a lot of the attention away from the superstars. Maybe I know Panarin doesn't really like to be in the spotlight. Spotlight Zabinajad likes to stay pretty quiet to himself. Ryan Reeves fit that bill perfectly in New York. He came in, he was loud. He was boisterous. Everybody focused on him. He protected the players. Well, fast forward three years. It's not going so well for big Revo in New York. He just got traded to the Minnesota wild for a fifth round draft pick. He's on his way out. He's coming to Minnesota, a team that is desperate, desperate for anything to turn this team around because they are just they can't seem to find their footing, have a couple good games here, play garbage for a couple games there. Goaltenders injured, goaltenders healthy, goaltenders injured, goaltenders healthy. Nothing seems to be working out consistently for the Wild this year. Will he change anything with Minnesota? He's a fourth-line guy who's in and out of the lineup. He's not going to light up the scoreboard, Tim. Why trade for Ryan Reeves if you're Minnesota Wild right now when you're not even close to a playoff spot? What's the reasoning behind this if you're Billy Guerin? Well, you touched on it. It's like the intangibles, too. And Billy Guerin said this in his press conference. Because you think Ryan Reeves, you think fighting. You think he's he's a heavyweight in the league. He's the guy, if not the top you know, three to five guys. But Guerin said it's not for the fighting. He's a big personality. He's got a lot of energy. He's got swagger. We've been missing that. The energy he brings is really good and size. He's going to help us get our identity back. And that last part, I think, is really the, the crux of this whole thing. For the team that we thought 
I mean, they 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 could have been a gun on a run last year. They had a tough first round matchup against the Blues, but this is the team that we thought was going to take a step forward this year, and instead they took a step back. Or at least I did. And you might, I think you maybe, maybe you called their struggles, but I think they are a better team than this. And I think Ryan Reeves is the kind of guy that can help right the ship a little bit. He's going to bring energy. He's the big voice. He's a big presence. The players love him, and I think it, the Rangers. It just wasn't working out there. I wouldn't say well, maybe not that, but he wasn't dressing a lot. He only skated for dressed for three games in in all of November so far um, and the last game he played was November 12th two weeks ago and he only played seven and a half minutes he's just not really being utilized there and they don't need him as much and you've said that I think last week or even on Monday's show about just him not him not getting much opportunity in New York and now when in in many I think he's going to play really well so I wouldn't be surprised if this team starts to start winning some games here no I, I hope I just don't see it happening I mean I like Ryan I really do, but just Minnesota with the contract situation they're in, I just, I, I don't see it happening. Ryan Hartman's out. Their first, remember we bagged on Ryan Hartman when Zooks came on the show? Yeah. They have some dude named Sam Steele on the first line center playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. S- Sam Steele, Tim. It sounds like a, uh, a superhero's like real name. Yeah. You know, his alias. Who is Sam Steele? That's what I want to know. He, they don't have a first line center. They don't have a second line center. How do you win hockey games, Tim? Tell me. Strength down the middle and on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. They got a decent back end. Middleton, Spurgeon, Goligoski, Dumba. I, I like that back end. Their centerman group is the weakest center group in the NHL. You find another team that has centermen with less impact than these guys do i'll be surprised their best centerman in my eyes is joel erickson act and he's on the third line with folino and duhamey it's i don't know how if you're a head coach or a gm and you have a premier goal scorer i'm talking creme de la creme and kirill kaprizov he is top three in the league when you when you want a goal scored you go to this guy and you surround him First of all, with Ryan Hartman, we already talked about that last year. You give him Ryan Hartman and Sam Steele. Those are the two centermen that I'm enticing Kirill Kaprizov with. If I'm Kirill Kaprizov, I'm pounding Billy Guerin's door every single day. Like, what what the hell are we doing here? I should have stayed in Russia. I was getting offers for $10, $12, 13000000 million in Russia. And I'm playing with Sam Steele? What am I doing here? It, it's... It's unbelievable. This is slowly turning into the situation they have in Edmonton where they cannot surround McDavid and Dreinsaitl with good players that keep up with them. Kirill Kaprizov has not played with an NHL-caliber first-line center his whole career in the NHL. And mind you, I know he's only been there for three years, but come on. If I'm a GM and I have this thoroughbred sitting on my left side and he's still scoring 30, 40 goals and I haven't put him with an NHL-caliber centerman, I am doing a disservice to this guy. It's embarrassing. Get him some help for Pete's sake. Trade one of your stud defensemen. Get rid of Spurgeon. Bring in a 1A centerman. I know they're hard to come by. They're very hard to come by. But you got to do it. It's That's why I don't think they're going to win. I, I, I don't think Fleury, he's old. I know he'll turn things around. He'll find his game. I, the salary cap restrictions, the lack of centermen. 
I, I don't I don't see it happening. I know Reeves will come in. He'll loosen up the locker room like Billy Guerin said. He's got a big personality. He'll come in. He brings energy, swagger. That's great. That's great. I used to do the same thing. He's not going to score any goals. He's not going to help this team really win. He's going to maybe help off the ice a little bit more than he will on the ice. But that being said, God. Stuff like that really fires me up. I'm sorry. It just irks me because you have one job as a GM. Your job is to put players in positions to succeed. That's it. And you get a gift of a player in Karol Kaprizov. This guy's a stud. They didn't have to draft for them. They got him from Russia as a free agent, so they didn't waste any draft picks on him. And you're wasting it, you guys. You're wasting it. And next thing you know, you're going to turn up. He's going to have two years left on his contract, and you're finally going to be at a cap hell. And Kirill's, they're gonna, you're going to go to him and you're going to say, hey, Kirill, you want to re-up your contract? And he's going to look at you like you're crazy. He's going to say, why would I bother? You guys wasted five years of my career. I'm an unrestricted free agent. I'm gone. I am so out of here, you guys. Because when you look at their cap hell, they're really in it for the next three years. This year, 2023, 24, 24, 25. Well, don't look now. Kaprizov's last year on his deal is 25-26. So they're going to start negotiating right after 24-25. He's not going to do a new deal there. Why would you? You've surrounded me with absolutely no talent. None. Zooks is a great player. One of the most underrated skill guys in the NHL to this day. But after that, Felino's good. He's a hard worker, more known for his physical play. Same with Jordan Greenway. Matthew Boldy is a good young player. I get that. But he doesn't have the skill level yet to play with Kaprizov. Sam Steele, Ryan Hartman. Oh my gosh. Like it's embarrassing. It honestly is embarrassing. So, and this is no knock on Sam Steele, Tim. I don't want to say this, but he does not have the resume to play with, with this guy. Sam Steele is a decent forward. He's a good third line guy. The fact that he's even playing first line minutes is mind blowing to me. It's that's how bad Minnesota is right now. You got Sam Steele playing on the first line with Kirill Capri. <sighs> even just saying it, I can't even get it out of my mouth. It just doesn't feel right. <laughs> Isn't it? It's crazy. All right. What were you going to say? Well, yeah, no, you make a good point. And same with the uh, the Edmonton reference that we've talked about many times in the show. And I was going to come back and say, well, you know, it's easier said than done. There's a lot of, you know, players and teams going after these players. It's, not, it's very competitive. But you, th- you really do. You got one job and you think about like, the last 10, 15 years, the players that like the Pittsburgh Penguins have been able to surround Malkin and Crosby with some drafted, some free agents, like they brought up like Rust and Gensel and those guys, but also you bring in Hosa, you bring in again, like you bring in Kessel. That's what they've done. And that's why they won so many championships. Same with Chicago. Like a lot of those dynasty teams were homegrown talent, but they always brought in a sharp and a Hosa and other like skill guys, Brian Campbell. It's not, it's hard. Yes. But you, the good GMs get it done. And it's just not happening in Minnesota yet. And and even longer, probably, in, in Edmonton. Yeah. That's all there is to it. You find a way. You trade draft picks. You extend the window of your elite players. And right now, Minnesota, maybe he's doing the smart thing because he realizes that they don't have enough elite players to win a Stanley Cup. So maybe he's doing it the right way. He's saying, we're going to wait. Wait till these contracts are gone, all this dead money's gone, and then we'll build from there and Kirill Kaprizov, we can trade him for a or for a piece. Because right now, if they go out and get a first line centerman with you know high end talent, does that make a difference? Yeah. Will it put them in the upper echelon of teams going to win a Stanley Cup? Probably not. So maybe Billy Guerin's doing it the right way, and I'm just bitching because I want to see Kaprizov play with a good 
good sentiment. And I said it to Zuccarello when he was on the show. So it's just, it's a fact. He needs to play with a, a playmaking centerman who can get him the puck because the guy's got just a, an incredible shot. He's another about, guy who, does, who doesn't get much play, just like Jason Robertson. He would be a superstar in this league, a la Ovechkin, because he does have that flair. He loves, he just, he's a very energetic guy. He is, yeah, a lot of personality too. What were you going to say? How about what? I was looking at teams that that kind of toward the bottom of the standings that might be shopping a center. Obviously, Bo Horvat's a, the big name right now. But I don't, the problem is, um, I was going to say maybe a Johansson or, or Duchenne from Nashville, but they just don't have the cap space to make much happen. And they're not going to for a while. So, yeah, I don't envy Bill Garen, Billy Garen's job right now. No, no, he, he is in cap hell. Thank you very much to uh, Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher. He, this is this is where he's going to live for the next couple couple of years. It is what it is. They're going to be a bad team for a while just because of the cap structure. There's nothing you can fault them. All right, question. I got a question for you, Tim. Who is the best line for any Canadian hockey team? Who has the best first line in Canada? Is it Vancouver? Is it Edmonton? Is it Ottawa? Is it Toronto? Is it? Well, Montreal. okay. Tell me right now, right now, who's got the best first line? Their actual lines or who could put together the best first line? Their actual like, first line at this point. Like are McDavid and Drysdale playing together right now? No. Because sometimes Drysdale plays the wing. You're right. Sometimes he does, but he's not doing it right now. So um, who has, it's McDavid, Warren Fogle, and Zach Hyman. <laughs> okay. I mean, honestly, Montreal would be up there. Suzuki and Caulfield are just going off the rails right now. They're doing crazy stuff. So they're a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. I feel like just de facto, McDavid, whatever lines he's on, is going to be the best line. You nailed it the first one. It's the Montreal Canadiens. This kid line line is playing so incredibly good. I know the Montreal Canadiens, they they flutter. They're not consistent, this and that. Friend of the show, Kirby Doc, Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki are playing lights-out hockey, Tim. They're all averaging a point per game. Kirby Doc just a touch below point per game. They're playing solid defensively. They're a fun team to watch. I said at the beginning of the season, Montreal, they're going to contend. Everybody laughed at him. He said, you're, you're a joke. What do you know? And I know they're not in a playoff position right now. They haven't been winning too many games. But I like this Montreal Canadiens team. I Everybody was all in on Ottawa in the offseason. Everybody was all in with Toronto. I'm not selling Montreal right now. And let's, I want to transition to this. It's Thanksgiving time. It's a Friday. It's Black Friday. There are eight teams currently in the playoff position in the Eastern Conference. You got the Devils, the Islanders, the Hurricanes, the New Jersey, or sorry, the, the New York Rangers. And you got Boston, Toronto, Detroit. And then there's a tie for the last wildcard spot between Tampa and Pittsburgh. What team right now? will not make the playoffs from that group and what team will supplant them. Florida at this moment is not in the playoff position. Aforementioned Montreal is not in the playoff position. In the Metro, you got Philadelphia, you got Washington, you got Columbus. Pittsburgh, like I said, is tied with Tampa Bay. What are the final eight teams right now? Is there one team in the Metro or the Atlantic? Do you think Detroit's in a playoff position right now? They're in third. They did they maintain that position, Tim, when the when the season's over? No, that's what I was going to say. One of those things is not like the other, and Detroit is not. I, they're going to come down. I actually like them a lot, but I don't think that they can make the playoffs over those wild card teams, Rangers, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Florida. I think 
gosh, it's hard to imagine three of those teams missing the playoffs. So no. When you look at the the teams in the East, I think three three teams really stand out that are heads and shoulders above the rest is the Devils, it's the Bruins, and it's the Islanders. Oddly enough, I think the Islanders are playing really good hockey. Look at the goal differential with all the teams. Most teams that are competitive that are in a playoff spot are are plus or minus five or six. They're in that range. The Bruins have just been dominant. They're they're an outlier. They're at plus thirty seven. The Devils are at plus twenty eight, and the Islanders don't look now are fourteen goals in in the black right now. They're playing great hockey. Those three teams, I think, have locked in. As strange as it is to say. I think those are the three that are locked in. Wouldn't surprise me if Carolina slipped the way they've been playing. The Rangers are having issues. Pittsburgh. I don't mind Pittsburgh. I think Philly, Washington, and Columbus, you could stick a fork in them. They're absolutely done. They had their moments, each of them. They're not going anywhere. In the Atlantic, the only team that I really think is out of it is the Ottawa Senators. I think Buffalo has better hockey ahead of it. I think Montreal squeaks in. But to answer my question, I'm beating around the bush. I think in the Metro, those four teams are going to stay. It's going to be the Devils, the Islanders, the Hurricanes, and the Rangers. I think those four teams are locked. I don't think Pittsburgh makes it in in the Atlantic. I think Detroit makes it, Tim. I like Detroit. And I think Tampa Bay is done. I really do. I think Tampa falls. I think Florida makes it in. You're going to have Boston, Toronto, Detroit, and Florida. Original six is all over the place. Detroit, Toronto, Boston, Rangers. It's fancy. It's fun to see. It's fun to see. Poor Montreal won't make it in, but gosh, I do like their future. Friend of the show, Kirby Duck, should be the captain, isn't the captain. He has just turned that first line into just a, it could be top five best lines in hockey right now. Right or wrong? Suzuki Caulfield Duck. It could be. And I'm really happy for him, too, because he hasn't had the start to his career that he wanted to and didn't partly injury, opportunity, whatever, chemistry. But yeah, now that he's playing well, he's really thriving with those two other players. You know why? It's because he got to Montreal and he used our promo code DoorDash. He said, I know if I use promo code GlovesDD, I get 25% off. And he's just been eating poutine like it's going out of style. I know. I ask him. He tells me we're very good friends. And guess what? You can be just like Kirby Doc, too, if you use our promo code GlovesDD. If you're in Canada, if you're in the USA, use GlovesDD US, you get 25% off. You get free delivery. You get delicious, succulent, warm, juicy, tasty poutine whenever you want it. Have you ever had poutine in Montreal, Tim? I've never had poutine anywhere. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? Poutine <laughs> is delicious. It is almost a Canadian staple. It's fries. It's cheese curds. It's gravy. You can get different flavors of poutine. You can get bacon bits put on it. You can get ugh, so many options. In Montreal, you get the, the smoked beef, the smoked meat they put on it. It's so incredibly good. And you can get it with DoorDash, especially if you're in Montreal, especially if you're Kirby Docs. So use our promo code GlovesDD if you're in Montreal. If you're in the US of A, use GloveDD US, and you just get delicious food. Doesn't have to be poutine. Preferably it is. But if it's not, you still get the deal. 25% off, you get free delivery, and you get delicious food. I'm telling you what, Tim, you got a lot of living to do. There's you know what, you though? You know. Speak, speaking of food, I had a couple of donuts this morning. I'm, I'm thinking they're the best donuts I've ever had in my life. What makes they were good to you? Incredible. It was um, it was this place called Whole Donuts, I think, or Donut Hole, and there was the line was like twenty people deep. That's why I was a little late this morning. I'm like, ah, uh, I'm not gonna wait. It's not worth it. But I I stuck it out, and it was like 
warm and fluffy on the inside and soft, but just just like a gentle crisp to the outside. Uh, it was just incredible. I got a glaze and I got a um, powdered sugar or something. It was very, very good. Worth coming back to Asheville just for the donuts. Do you, uh, do you enjoy a little coffee with them? I don't drink coffee. Why not? I don't drink coffee. Uh, not interested. Never. I've never had it. I don't want it. Why? Coffee is good for you. I mean, here's my here's my thing with coffee. I it wasn't my parents didn't drink it growing up. So like wasn't in our house. Like my mom would do it if she was out running errands, and stop at Dunks or something. But like it wasn't a big staple, and I was never really interested. And then like I would see, so I never had a reason to really. And then I would see, like, I was dating this girl for a few years in Boston, and she, I don't know if it was technically an addiction, but, like, she would get headaches by, like, 10 o'clock if she didn't have coffee yet. Like, just people that I saw, like, how much people rely on it, because you use it to wake up, and then pretty soon you can't wake up without it. And that's kind of, and if I've gotten this far without it, there's no reason to start now is my my thing. It's a good reason. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't start drinking until I retired, but I like it now. A couple cough, cups every day. It's uh, it's good. All right, let's get to some quick news. Sad news out of hockey. Bjorn Salming, Hall of Famer, legendary Leaf defenseman, just passed away at the age of 71. They had a nice little ceremony for him in Toronto this past week. I don't know much about him. I know he was he's one of the greatest defensemen ever from Sweden. A big impact guy in Toronto. Like he was, he is the guy in Toronto. When you think about the Toronto Maple Leafs, you think of pretty much him historically. Maybe Daryl Sittler is in the same vein. But yeah, sad for him. We'll be thinking about his family. Staying in Toronto, another defenseman, Morgan Riley, just got put on the long-term injured reserve, Tim. What's going on? <laughs> just when you think things start turning for the, the good in Toronto, you get Matt Murray back. He's playing well. You lose. Who is the other? Jake Muzzin. TJ Brody's been out. Jordy Ben's out. Now you lose Morgan Riley. If those four guys are healthy, they arguably are your top four defensemen. Now you roll into a game. You got Giordano and Hall are your one-two. You got Sandin and Lilligren are your 3-4. Victor Meat is still alive. And Max Hollowell is your 5-6. How long can the Leafs keep winning with this ragtag group of defensemen, Tim? Because even with all those four in, they're a middle-of-the-road defensive unit. Now you lose those four, and you're rolling out 40-year-old Mark Giordano as your first 1A D-pairing with Justin Hall, who everybody knows sucks. And they can sustain this with these six guys back there. Um, I think they'll be fine. I think they're still going to win. I think they're going to win a lot of games like six to four or whatever, but tough break for Riley. He's been having a good season. And then he had a collision away from the puck with Kyle Palmieri the other day. And yeah, he's going to be down for, I think LTIR is what minimum two weeks or 10 games or something. Um, it's not, it's not a short stint, which is a bummer, which also brings up, you know, possible trade talks because they've been linked to, Carlson now, but I think everyone will probably be linked to Carlson. Do they go out and grab a defenseman? The Bruins have Mike Riley, for example, who's down in Providence right now because they, they don't need him. They can't fit him. And so there are some teams that have been shopping defensemen. I wonder if Toronto gives it like a week or two to see how all this shakes out or if they go out and make a move. I don't I don't think you see him being too reactive. Like you said, he's going to just take his time. But the one player they're linked to consistently is Jacob Chitra. He's the guy who's been talked about for the last year and a half, two years. He wants to go to Toronto. Toronto wants him there. I, I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. So we'll see. The, they, they have to make this deal if you're the if you're the Maple Leafs. 
I think that's that's the only defense that makes sense at this point. I know Chitron hasn't yet played. He's still coming off that injury. I think it was his ankle. You got to get this done. He wants to go to Toronto, which is very rare this this day and age when a guy wants to go to Toronto. So you, you just make it you make it work. So I don't know that that's that's the name. If Toronto does make it make a play for a defenseman, he's the guy that you have to go and get. So good for him. And Morgan Riley, good season. What 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 do you define as a good season, Tim? He had 16 assists through 20 games. Go to the column before that. What about zero? So he's a defenseman. Puck moving defenseman. He's supposed to be like their power play guy. He's got zero goals. Dash dash one. I don't think he's having a great season. I think he's having an okay season. I think you need to score goals if you're Morgan Riley to be a little bit more effective. He's okay. He's having a great season. Just okay, so if he ends the year, he's on pace for like 65 points. You're not going to call that a great season? If he gets 65 assists and no goals? Yeah. It'll be it'll be a great. It'll be good. Not great. You got to score goals. <laughs> oh, John. Last Just year, be- he had a great believe season. Believe in something. Last year, he had a great season. 10 goals, 58 assists. That's great for him. He's got to put at least seven or eight on the board. I get it. He will. He will. No, he won't. Three years before that, he had 20 goals. Then he that was sucked crazy. the next year. He had three. So we know he can score, but he's just, you're playing on the, one of the most offensively gifted teams in the league and you have zero goals. It's like Kale McCarr getting zero goals. And it's just, I don't know. It's like Hughes in Vancouver has zero goals. What's going on with that? That team, all they do is play offense. He's got zero goals. What's going on with your boy in Vancouver, Tim? Quinn. I, I don't know. I did like a little recap a few weeks ago of like all the big. I would say I would call them big time players who had zero goals at that point in the season. I think Latang was on there, Hughes, Riley, um, Barzal didn't have any goals till like game fifteen or something. He's he scored a couple of now, but I don't know. I try not to read too much into that sort of stuff. He wasn't if he wasn't producing at all, then that's one thing. But he's still he's still putting up points, like second assists always junk. I don't think he's having a great season. He's he's no Eric Carlson. <laughs> That's all. I that know. is true. He's never he's been not Eric Carlson. Carlson. All right. Are we. Oh, anything else you want to touch on, Tim? Or you got to go hiking again? Track down some more bears. Hey, I'm here. Like, what do you want to talk about? Nothing. I want to go. I got to go home. And <laughs> yeah, you were trying to pin in on me. Yeah. That's what I usually do. All right, everybody. I hope we're all having a good uh, week so far. Get out there, make a difference, have some fun this weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.